Welcome to the First World Philippines podcast, and I am your host, Mike Grogan. And after almost a year and a half, we are finally back. I'm finally doing this podcast after being on hiatus for 1.5 years. Um, this is the third revolution of this podcast that you're listening to. We started over three years ago, and we had it branded as the Best of You podcast. And the second generation was called the Rise of the Pinoy podcast. And now what you're listening to right now is the beginning of the First World Philippines podcast. So I am excited. And in this podcast, you are going to get free business and life advice from the most inspiring leaders in the Philippines. This really is a podcast focused on people who are involved with Filipinos, working with Filipinos around the world, or working here in the Philippines itself. And through these episodes from the wide, diverse range of people that um, we will interview, we will, I believe that you will get advice, practical advice, inspiring stories that it will help you grow your profits, grow your team, grow your business and grow your impact. However, you want to help improve the Philippines, improve the life of Filipinos around the world, this podcast, I want this podcast to be a resource for you. So thank you. Thank you for choosing this episode. This um, is just a, a short introduction to what to expect. Um, I, you have, we've done 85 episodes before, and you can go into our archive and see so many inspiring characters from all walks of life. We have a combination of foreigners, uh, Filipinos, just all united around the concept of moving this country forward, making it better Philippines for all. So I feel blessed that my team get to release these podcasts, give these episodes free to you so that you can use it for fuel in your day as well as practical advice. And for, for anyone who wants to be successful in the Philippines, who wants to help move this country forward, I'm excited that this is going to be a resource that's going to help you. So before we start getting into the episodes, I think... I'll reintroduce myself. My name is Mike Grogan. I am one of the team behind First World Philippines. I'm, I guess I'm the co-founder of the Rise of the Pinoy podcast, Best of You podcast. And together with my team, we, we want to see the Philippines become a First World Philippines in our lifetime. And throughout this episode, we'll deep dive into, well, what does that look like, number one, and number two, how do we get there? How do we get there to a, a Philippines that is, has equality and where no one is left behind? Um, the Philippines is my home. Um, maybe you guess from my accent, I am not born in the Philippines. I am Irish, but I am a lucky Irish man. <laughs> and what I mean by that is living in this country makes me a better man. I've been to over 40 countries in the world. I've worked in North America. I've worked in Africa, worked in different countries in Europe. I have been a consultant to many different companies, but it's in the Philippines where my I have experienced where how I how I phrase this where I believe with all my heart I can reach my potential as a human being here in the Philippines. Living in the Philippines makes me a better man, and that is why we do this podcast. This is just one of the reasons I write books about the Philippines. I am a professional. A corporate trainer, so my background is in something called Kaizen and Lean. So I, I do leadership training, management training with multiple companies across the Philippines. But this country, I just absolutely love working with Filipinos. I really do. And I, I really connect with other foreigners that are working here with Filipinos, helping this country improve, become better. So if that describes you, if maybe you're an entrepreneur, you're a freelancer, you're in the corporate world here in the Philippines or overseas, I want this podcast to be a source of wisdom for you. And I, not necessarily from me, I'll be sharing my story as we go along. My, cons, my purpose here is to deconstruct um, extremely successful people who are doing extraordinary, amazing things in this country. Deconstruct that, that uh, their, their lessons learned so that we can deliver that to you in a very practical, easy to consume way. Some of the interviews will be very deep, sometimes over an hour. Some will be very short. Most will be in English. Uh, Maroon and Tagalog, so I can speak Tagalog. 
Um, but I think I'll be doing most of the episodes in English. I might have a couple of episodes where we do, where we'll be doing it in Taglish. <laughs> and uh, don't worry if you don't speak Tagalog. I will uh, warn you in advance that uh, for those episodes where we'll be just speaking in Taglish. So, guys, I want to go straight into it. Don't worry. You let, if you go through archive, you'll see many of my episodes, my solo episodes. In the past, but I really believe that what makes this podcast unique is the inspiring guests that we're going to feature. So that's it for the introduction, and I am excited to launch First World Philippines podcast. I'm excited. God bless, and please connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, social media. Um, if you're if you're new to um, what we're doing here, please follow us on those platforms. We have free ebooks that we give out, free gifts every week. I want you to be part of the amazing work that people are doing here in the Philippines to uplift the Filipino and see a first world Philippines in our lifetime. Okay, that's it for the introduction. Let's go straight to the episodes. Today we have an amazing episode and if you've ever been rejected from a job interview <laughs> and I can relate to that because I've certainly been rejected more than once in interviews for jobs in the past as well as rejected in, in front of a client if you're an entrepreneur or a freelancer. I think this is an episode that you have to listen to because in this episode we have Ange Vera. She is the CEO of TalentView. And so TalentView works with, employee, with employers all across the ASEAN region on employer branding. So it's really to help employers attract the right employees and keep the right employees. So very holistic approach Ange has. But in this interview, you should also turn the tables, also give advice to those that are seeking to impress employers. So I think this is very relevant if you're looking for internal promotions within your company, if you're looking for um, to get attract more clients yourself. It's a very business-focused um, podcast episode, but also extremely practical. I think there's a lot of um, value in this that Ange gives. I really appreciate Ange for making the time out of our busy schedule to record this episode. There's so much in this. There really is. And of course, Ange is an extraordinary, successful young woman. She is a role model, Filipina, to a lot of young ladies that look up to her. And she's an extraordinary team. I partner with her team multiple times. It's really incredible what she's achieved as an entrepreneur herself. So I've, I, believe I have asked her questions about to share her own personal journey and lessons she's learned. She's an extraordinary Filipina. And I'm really excited for you to got you guys to check out this episode with the one and only Ange Vera, CEO of TalentView. So Ange, let me shake your hands. It's a pleasure to have you Thank here. Thank you for having me. Thank I'm, you, Mike. I'm Appreciate excited. It. So let's, there's so many questions I want to ask you about. I want to go into uh, advice you give to people who are applying for jobs, advice you to give to people who are looking to add, add to their team, attract the right talent. Um, but I think the first place to start would be your own story. Right. And uh, so you're young, you're very young, fresh face, uh, like myself. <laughs> um, does it surprise people? And I've been so I've been blessed to partner with your your team, TalentView. Um, does it surprise people when someone so young has set up a company like TalentView and are doing work that very few people are doing in the Philippines in a niche that's greatly needed? How, how do you answer that question about uh, TalentView and how? Tell us that I guess. Begin with the Talent View story and how that connects with your own story. Right. Okay. So Talent View, just just talking about the company first. Yeah. We have one mantra. It's getting employers noticed and loved. Okay. So it's always two parts. You're either a company that everybody knows about, but when yeah. the people get in there, you know, there's nothing to love about that company. So people just leave immediately. And there are also organizations where they're loved. People stay for decades. People love to be in the company but nobody knows about them. Mm. So in that case, we just help them to get noticed mm. and so that more people can come in and work for them and really go after their cause. Mm. And um, you're right, it, it surprises a lot of people just seeing you know, how young the team is, 
of course, our background has always been in human resources, in employer branding. But the industry in itself, it's also changing. So there is an advantage to being young. Yeah. There is an advantage to being a digital native. You know, we ever since we were young, we were born holding our mobile phones, yes. playing games, sending email, looking at apps. And the, because the world is changing, I guess that gave us the opportunity to, to kind of look at it and say, why don't we start fresh? Mm. Look at it differently. How do we make companies attract better talent? Mm. And how does the right talent find the right company? Because sometimes it also gets so frustrating. You're a great person. You've got a lot of skills. You want to learn so much. But you end up in a company that doesn't value your growth, that doesn't value your contribution. So it can get very difficult at times. And so I believe our role is, is just to match that, yeah. just to match those two great things together, great people and great companies yeah. through the work that we do in employer branding. Yeah. And I'm just privileged to, to be, um, I would say, where everything is happening. In the Philippines, especially where you've got Sunrise Industries like the BPO firms, yeah. IT firms, and across Asia, you're seeing a lot of that growth. Yeah. And and to be right in the middle of that growth, I want to make sure something good happens out yeah. of it. It's the greatest time in history to be in the Philippines. Absolutely. Yeah. So Definitely. this is, I mean, I am in such admiration of what the work you guys are doing. It's innovative, and it's really pressing on a massive need. And I want to touch on that need from two angles. Let's talk about the people who, if you ask the question, do you love your job? They respond, I hate my job. Right. Uh, let's talk to those people first. And the second group of people who have a business, and, but they can't seem to find the right people. Right. So there's two sets of problems that are related. Um, but both are heartbreaking, actually. Both are heartbreaking. Exactly. Because in each case, growth is impacted. And it's slowing down the growth of the country and obviously individual personal growth. So how do you talk to the first person? The person okay. who says, I hate my job. Okay, let's talk to candidates first, yep. that's right. And studies show that only very few people are engaged. In fact, in, in a recent Gallup survey, we were looking at just about 30% of people. One in every three people are engaged in their jobs. And that's pretty low. And you're right, very, very sad. And um, I guess one thing to, to think about is mindset. Yeah. You know, even if you're in a b bad company, I wouldn't yeah. want to call bad or good company like yeah. as a sweeping statement, but from, from a person or individual or candidate perspective, think of it as an opportunity to learn. Yeah. Think of it as an opportunity to grow. Yeah. Your teachers aren't necessarily all the great ones. Yeah. You learn something from the bad ones too, yeah. isn't it? And, and if you change that mindset, I guess you also attract the right yeah. um, environment. You also attract like-minded people yeah. who are so passionate about growth yeah. that eventually things just start falling into place. Yeah. Whether you change your role, you change your job, yeah. you change your position. But to set yourself up for success, always put your mindset in a mindset of growth. Mm. Because if, if you have that mindset, nothing can go wrong for mm. you at yeah. least because everything is seen as a learning opportunity. You so, only die yeah. when you don't learn anymore. So how do you protect that? And I'll share a part of my own story. There was a time in my life that I was, that I would answer, yes, I hate my job. Um, but if I reflect honestly on that time, I was in the victim mentality a lot. Correct. And I was sitting what my mentor later called the loser's table at, at, lunch, at lunch, at work. So the loser's table was, I was sitting with people that all they do was complain. Mm -hmm. um, all they do is complain, blame our manager, blame the company. Everyone would get the finger pointed at them for being at fault, yeah. and I would never point at myself. Yeah. Um, so personal accountability was one of my biggest weaknesses early in my career. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just grateful that I had mentors come into my life at that time to help guide me. What advice would you have for people that, are, that hate their job, but at lunchtime, let's use that as an example, <laughs> they're sitting beside people who are equally as miserable and yeah. always complaining. What's the practical advice? Do you encourage them to break away from that group, or, or how to find the? How can they attract the right people? Because mm -hmm. studies have shown it's it's still uh, one of the biggest factors that influence our, our mindset is the people we surround ourselves with. Exactly. So, for that, let's say it's a 22-year-old uh, big dreamer who wants to make an impact in the world, but went into corporate and in, in and let's say one of these quote-unquote bad companies and just feels they're not valued, not appreciated. Mm -hmm or someone in their 
30s they're like asking themselves the question do I what value do I offer would anyone miss me if I wasn't here tomorrow right how would you because your advice is true but how can you uh, what are the tools, techniques maybe you've applied in your own life or that you've seen successfully with mm -hmm. shifting mindset to the growth mindset, shifting mindset from the victim to the optimistic to begin that search to, um, to find the right job? Right. Sorry, that was a big... No, <laughs> of course, yes, but I'll start with a saying. There's a yeah. saying, I can't recall who said it, but you're the average of the five people that you're always with, mm -hmm. right? And to answer your very first question, do you, do you break away from that group? I think that like attracts like, you know? So it's not the physical breaking away, like, hey guys, goodbye, <laughs> you know? I, I can't take this anymore. I think it's not so much as, um, you know, looking at yourself and taking a look at what messages am I saying to myself? Is it always a negative message? Because then you start attracting those kinds of people in your life yeah. because of the messages you tell yourself. Yeah. And because you're also the average of the five people you meet, consider books read a lot because really one of the things that has helped me grow in my personal career is just ex exposing myself to many different leaders, many different authors, many different topics. Mm. And just putting that together and realizing that, hey, you know, slowly, even if I'm not seeing anything at first, yeah. growth is there, change yeah. is there, and positivity starts, starts to come into your life. Yeah. And when you talk of great things, it's really the negative people that start to move away from you not you just breaking away from them. They'll move away from you because you're not the same. Yeah. And, and I guess those are the practical things that, that really matter you yeah. know, day to day. I love that. So your, your new friends became your books. Yes, <laughs> well, that's one. And then slowly you get to see that more people that are like the way you think, the okay. way you talk, start okay. attracting themselves to you yeah. as well. So you're like a magnet too. So you have to be very conscious about what, what messages you're telling yourself, yeah. you know? Are they messages of growth? Is it a mindset of curiosity, learning, yeah. passion? Yeah. Or is it a mindset of complaining? Yeah. Is it a mindset of every day I hate my job? Yeah. Then you're not helping yourself really. It's the words, if you, get to, what is this? if you get to defend your limiting beliefs, you get to keep them. Exactly. So that's, that's really powerful. So let, let's keep with this person, quick. So let's say they hate their job, now they're developing their mindset. They're maybe they're reading um, blogs, they're reading books, they're watching positive videos like this one. Awesome. Uh, they're being inspired. Maybe they have a, another positive friend that they're learning from. Now they start applying for their quote-unquote dream job, right. whether it be in a different company or within the same company, but in a different, different Team function. Team or role, yeah. Um, let's reverse engineer this because um, most people mess up interviews. <laughs> um, what for you are the biggest absolutely red flags that you, and you've interviewed, you've, inter you've been on both sides, of course, at the beginning of your career, and now you um, in growing your team, you're interviewing people, but also you're coaching, mentoring, guiding companies on how to select the right candidates. What, let's start reverse engineering this. What are the biggest mistakes people make and how can they avoid okay. those mistakes? The biggest number one mistake I would say is not understanding the role you're applying for. Okay. Because sometimes a dream job looks nice from afar. Okay. But the moment you try and understand it, the moment you see what it's all about, you realize you had no idea what it was ever since. Okay. So you've got to understand what you're applying for, especially in the age of social media. What's happening now, Mike, in terms of behavior is candidates just apply to any job because it's so easy. I go online, I go on Facebook, I go on LinkedIn. Yeah. I go on every side and somebody's trying to offer me a job yeah. and my typical tendency as a candidate would just be click on yeah. those buttons apply 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 yeah. and when the company calls me and they say oh, oh I'm from this company oh what role did I apply for again or what job was that that I applied for again they totally don't know and that already tur turns a company off wow. because they you know you're somebody who hasn't made an effort to mm -hmm. try and understand what the job was all about. Yeah. So understand the job, not just for them, not just for the company, but for you. Mm. Because you don't want to have that disconnect where you thought it was great, but when you come in, you come into the company, you come into the role, this is not what I signed up for. Yeah. And then you start that cycle again of complaining yeah. and being negative. Yeah. So understand the role very well. And then the second would be, look to your own strengths. Yeah. Look to the things that you honestly do well. 
not from a point of arrogance, but from a point of why don't I ask my friends? Why don't I ask my colleagues? What do they come to me for? Do they come to me to check details? Am I really good at like checking all these small things and making sure that they're correct? Do they come to me for my leadership? Do they come to me because I can talk to people well? Yeah. So what are these strengths? Make an inventory. In the same way that you know every company has an inventory, how many stocks do I have of this item? Mm. How many stocks do I have of this other item? Do we even stop and make a reflection and Except say- Self-awareness. Yeah. Yes, exactly. What strengths do I have? And on the other hand, what weaknesses do I have as well? Yeah. And so when you come into an application, meet the company for the very first time, it's always two-way. They sell their company and you sell yourself. Yeah. And so that's a mindset that you've got to come into and not, oh my gosh, I'm just looking for a job. Mm. I need this right now. I'm just gonna say anything and everything to, to get in. Yeah. So getting that understanding, having that self-awareness makes a big, big difference. Do you feel, do you, would you, is it fair to say that employers, interviewers can feel desperation? If someone is desperate, is like yet saying yes when they when it's not authentic. Mm, absolutely, because, yeah. because you can usually support your answers by stories, exactly. by examples. But if you just keep saying, "Are you hardworking? Yes. <laughs> Are you creative? Well, yes." Yeah. And if you can't support that with your life experiences, you can't support that with stories that you've you've shared okay. and experienced with with your colleagues. Then there, there's no justifying it in front of a company, and yeah. you're both wasting your time. Okay. Okay, let's keep going. I love these tips. Nice. So we got the first one is about knowing the job. Yeah. The second one is about knowing yourself. Right. I love that. Right. Uh, let's go into the third one. The third biggest mistake. Okay. Or, or biggest, well, we can reverse it from either mistakes or the opposite of that, advice in terms mm -hmm. of interviews. Right. Okay, the last one I would say is just know the company as well. Okay. You were saying something about everyone trying to look for their dream company yeah. or, or their dream job. And there are companies that just by looking at the people, getting to know a few of the mm. peers or colleagues that you have from that company, you already get a sense of what kind of company it is. Mm. And the idea is that you self-filter. There are companies that you know they do overtime all the time. Mm. And it's I wouldn't put a blanket statement and say it's a bad company. Mm. Because there are just some cultures that that really foster that kind of learning yeah. through overtime work, through yeah. pushing people really, really hard mm. until they can't push anymore. Yeah. So it's also finding that match between what your values are and what the company values. Yeah. Because if you come into an interview and you know those two things, then you're more likely to, to be successful yeah. at finding that dream job and for that company to find their dream talent. Yeah. You know, so just, just trying to understand your values against the values yeah. of the company yeah. and being able to honestly, yeah. honestly filter yourself out and say, this isn't for me, yeah. that's fine, you can move on. Yeah. But if, it, if you realize that it's something you really want, then you can go 100% yeah. pursue that as well. What, you can answer from your own perspective or from the research that you've seen, mm -hmm. what's a great question that uh, a candidate has asked either you or that you've seen that would really impress the would say a lot because I believe the quality of someone's questions Absolutely. is a great reflection of their, their thinking mm -hmm. is there any questions that you've heard from candidates yes. that have really impressed you just one question that has impressed me ever since day one and that question is what do you expect me to deliver in mm. the first three months of in my role Ooh, I like that. it's awesome because it, it shows that you're not there just to get a job. You're there to deliver meet results. You're there to meet expectations. You want to make sure that what your performance will be for the first few months is something that the company will value. Mm -hmm. Because you'll also feel no appreciation if you work so hard but you don't know the expectations. Yeah. So in a way, it's a question that frames expectation. Yeah. Expectation on your end and expectation on their end. Yeah. I and it's that. just, it's awesome. That's a valuable. I, love I, that. I, I feel that you're a smart candidate, you're an awesome candidate, you're a candidate that I consider a talent mm -hmm. if you ask that question. I love that. Yeah. So, what about um, preparing for the interview itself? Mm. So, what have you seen to be very effective in getting people? A lot of people are very nervous about this, a lot right. of people are. Um, so they've taken your advice. How can they, they the interview is coming up next month, let's say, or mm -hmm. next week, it's in the near future. Mm -hmm. uh, what's another practical advice you give people so that they're in the right mindset, they're fully prepared mm -hmm. for the interview? 
practice makes perfect. Okay. You know, and and that's a, a common saying, but we don't do it when we interview. Yeah. So. I would say that if you're an applicant preparing for the dream job of your life, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great if you practice, you know? Mm. Grab a friend and just anticipate some questions. Typically, companies would ask you to tell me about the time you, yeah. you manage a project. Yeah. Tell me about the time you work in a team. Mm. What would your dream answer be, mm. right? So think about those things. Look at those questions on the internet, read some books, try to figure out what a company might ask. But more importantly, go to the next step and practice your answers there. Mm. So not to make it look scripted. Yeah. I'm not saying be like a robot, memorize your answer. Please don't do that. Yeah. Companies can smell that a mile away yeah. if it's a memorized answer. Yeah. What I mean by practice is that it comes from your heart. It's a real story. It proves your values. Yeah. It proves that you can do the job. And it proves that you're willing and prepared to make the next step mm. in that relationship or in that contract. Wonderful. Yeah. You know, just to share, my, my mentor, he, he told me that the best interview advice he got was he had seven stories from his career. And he found that the seven most impressive stories that he had about himself in different situations. And essentially, he would prepare those seven stories. And if someone asked a question, he, his brain would go through the seven stories and go, okay, which one is Pick yep, one. Pick this. <laughs> And then tell the story. That's good. Because That's awesome. the, you're right, people, when you've been interviewed, people sense if you're being robotic. But it's something natural that you can, everyone can tell a story. Right. Especially a story that happened to you and you were a character in that story. Right. So I love what you said about looking into your own stories and what are the stories that... Uh, yeah, you can connect to the question that's been right. asked. And get an inventory of that as well. Yeah. You know, have your story one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. And any question that's asked, you can kind of connect. This story talks about my attention to detail, yeah. my project management. This story talks about my creativity and talks about my relationship with people. Yeah. So every story can have valuable lessons there yeah. that you can try to pull up as you're being interviewed. Yeah. Let's talk just one more question on this because this is brilliant advice. What about talking about failure? Um, a lot of candidates, they're afraid to talk about this. The, the seven stories they pick are all, all stories success. where, oh, they're, you're amazing, you're the superhero, you're the, you know, the S on the yeah. t-shirt. <laughs> um, how would, what advice would you give, would you encourage people to talk about failures, like times where they, where they couldn't get a job, or times where they, they failed in a project, or times where they disappointed their boss? What would you, What's your advice on the failure stories? Right. Absolutely embrace failure. Okay. Even in my own life, I learned more from the failures than from yes. the successes that I've had. Okay. And I guess success also makes you very complacent, right? Yeah. When you feel success, it's like, it's like a drug, you know? It's, you want more of it. But in truth, you find value, I found value, in just looking at the failures and learning from them. Mm -hmm. So I think from an interview perspective, yes, embrace your failure, but also prove that you've learned from it. Yeah. And I think that's where companies become more open. Because mm -hmm. if you just tell a story of the time that you failed, and then don't follow <laughs> up with like, this is what I did to make sure that yeah. that doesn't happen again, yeah. then <laughs> there's really nothing there. Right. But if you start to create that um, story around failure, where you still succeed because you've learned something, that can count for, for something that's important to every organization. So let's share failure success stories here. Uh, just a little tangent, because I, when I'm interviewing people, I'm really impressed when they share the failure stories. Mm -hmm. um, so I just shared one of mine, and I was hoping that you could share one of yours. Absolutely. In, in terms of, uh, yeah, where I, I failed, and I was in the wrong mindset. So it was early in my career, um, I, I was a junior coach in the US at the time and I was unsuccessfully trying to influence other um, people more senior than me and definitely had my baby face <laughs> a, a lot senior than me mm -hmm. and I was failing to influence them and I fell in for the trap well not my fault they're, they're, they've got the problem mm -hmm. and I started surrounding myself with people who also yeah it's not your fault our method is there's nothing wrong with our method it's actually then but I guess I'm grateful that I started to research well maybe what if my method of not the principles um, but the method of, deliver, of delivery mm -hmm. was ineffective and as, long story short I went to the realization that my method of influencing my method of teaching 
was very traditional. Death by PowerPoint. Yeah. I was killing them, <laughs> killing them with PowerPoint. But I thought I was. Slides. <laughs> I, thought, I thought I was influencing them, and I realized that I wasn't doing enough listening. I wasn't um, creating enough empathy. I wasn't um, sharing my own. Fit. I wasn't just being. I forgot the human side of this. This work, whatever you want to influence other people, I forgot the human side. So once I developed more positive relationships with the managers, empathize more, and listen more, I started. It opened up the doors to, of influence. So that was a game-changing failure in my career that allowed me to realize: wait a second, it's not never the bad student, only bad teacher. Mm -hmm. um, and I got learned that from my mentor, and it's really changed the way I, I um, influence people today. What's awesome. your favorite failure? Right. <laughs> I, I will go with something that's very close to my heart. An interview, you know, okay. an interview failure. So I started my career as a recruiter, interviewing people day in and day out. Mm -hmm. And when the BPO industry was starting, I was interviewing 30 candidates a day, you know. And there was a day that after interview, interview after interview after interview, 30 candidates, did I hire anyone? Did I offer a job to anyone? Zero. And I just felt so bad for many reasons. Number one, I couldn't help any of these 30 people land a job. But second was, I also failed my boss. I felt that at that time, you know, my job was to find the right people for the BPO industry. And I couldn't after 30 interviews, and that took 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., 12 hours of sheer work just asking hours. questions yes 12 hours non-stop and um i learned from that so much i realized that people were coming in not understanding what their role was all about so they thought because bpo was like the biggest industry i should be there but if you ask them what do you know about a bpo nobody knew what what do you know about a call center what work do they do nobody knew and so the learning for me there was don't just look at a candidate and see them for a yes or a no, a pass or a fail. Yeah. Look at them and say, how can I help this person get the next best job of their life? Mm. And so I started putting in a system where I would orient them what the BPO industry was all about. Mm. And I was starting to see more success, more placements. And, and that also earned the trust of my boss. Mm. So much so that the way that I was doing things was the way that you know every, eventually everyone adopted. Yeah. And my boss just said, you know, why don't you help out the rest of the recruiters to try and explain the job to candidates? And we had better hit rates. We had more people saying yes. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's great because at the end of the day, we're, we're giving opportunities to everyone. Mm -hmm. And up to this day, I carry that in, in the work that we do at Talent View. It's about giving opportunities mm -hmm. to people who deserve it. Mm -hmm. And maybe they just don't understand it well enough but you're not there to just give them a pass or a fail mark. You're there to help them appreciate the role mm. that they're gonna get into. Mm. Well, it's a nice, it's funny if you ever met those 30 people again. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So it's giving the feedback, helping them understand more so they can make better decisions. Absolutely. I yeah. like that, I like that. Let's flip the, ta so flip the table, no, let's go to the other side flip of the, the coin. table. Flip the yeah. coin. Um, being, so lots and lots of experience. And let me start off with a, uh, a difficult question. If, if you could only ask one question, um, what question, in interviewing people, what question, uh, you, I'll, give you, I'll give you some freedom. You can give two answers to this. You have two questions. What question has given you the most information about the candidate and mm -hmm. why was that those questions so powerful? Mm -hmm. um, the, the very first one that I've always asked is what's the greatest challenge that you've ever overcome? Oh, nice. So whether it's in your corporate life or it's in your personal life, mm. it gives me an idea of what people consider a challenge, number yeah. one, because sometimes their challenge can range from, you know, oh, I, I didn't get the number of Facebook followers that I, that I had okay. to, to, you know, I had to overcome a difficult project. You, yeah. you, you can get a gamut of answers. Yeah. So I want to be able to see what does this person consider a challenge, okay. you know, that's one. And follow up to that is how do you overcome it? Yeah. So I want to see if they have a thought process, yeah. a thought process to understanding what their problem really was, mm. getting to the root cause of it, and being able to determine certain steps to solve it. Mm. Because if you just say that, oh, because of this problem, I just sat there, I moved on, I just let it go, it's not the answer I'm looking for. My answer is you being relentless, mm. you uncovering your brilliance, you being able to look at the problem, 
in the face, yeah. direct in the eyes, and and face it with all you've got, mm-hmm. and come out of it learning and becoming better yeah. than who you were. Yeah. And as a follow-up, maybe as a bonus question, yeah. I tend to ask what your favorite book is. And it's, it's just for fun, just yeah. for me to figure out, you know, what do you like to read? Do you even read it all? Yeah. Because I believe that um, people that read, they open themselves up to a lot of different worlds. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, Twilight, Harry Potter, or John Maxwell, it doesn't yeah. matter. I appreciate people who read because it means that you're going out of your way, you're making the effort to enter this total new, totally new world yeah. that you don't understand yeah. and learn from that, wow. you know? So, so for me, people that read books, I just want to l- learn from them, want to see what they read and yeah. hopefully exchange notes. Who yeah. knows, we both read Harry Potter, that's great, yeah. you know? <laughs> so you've inspired me. <laughs> I think I'll ask those exact same questions to you. So let's reverse the, what is your favorite book? My favorite book is uh, 21 Irrefutable Laws of John Maxwell Okay. for Leadership. Yeah. 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Yeah. Love, love, love that book. And I had John Maxwell sign it personally. Oh, really? So the very first time he was in Manila, I met him, shook his hand, made him sign the book and listened to him. Mm-hmm. Just share the insights there. Yeah. And the very first rule there is called Law of the Lid. Law of the Lid. Which, I love it. which <laughs> means that your leadership... Yeah. And the, the people that follow you, they can never rise beyond your own leadership. Yeah. So all the time you have to keep, keep growing, keep moving forward, just level up and level up. Yeah. So that the people that work with you, who work in your team, just move up and move up. Mm. Or else if you're there, the moment that they surpass you, they're done. Because they're not learning, they're not growing with you. Yeah. So I carry that with me wherever I go. Oh, fantastic. Challenge. What is the biggest challenge? You, you selected these questions. Of course. What is the biggest challenge of your career and how did you overcome it? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, challenge is, I'd say present tense, it's now. Mm-hmm. The challenge of being in an employer branding firm, mm-hmm. in a sea of digital media, mm-hmm. in a sea of companies wanting to get noticed, wanting to get loved. And for us, it's a constant battle with changing HR mindsets. Their mindset is, and typically, I'm not, I'm not saying this for everyone, but we still encounter people that say, they're looking for a job, let them wait. You know, I don't, I don't feel the need to be urgent about it. I don't feel the need to sell my company. Yeah. The people out there, they're the ones looking for a job, let them apply to us. And that mindset is an old mindset. Yeah. That's a trash mindset. You've really got to throw it away. And, and the reason for that is, we're marketing more, as companies, we're marketing more to our candidates than they're marketing to us. Yeah. You know, we're selling the idea that this is the next best place for them. We can help them grow, we can help them learn, we can help them acquire new skills. Mm. And we can't have that mindset that we just let them wait because it's a war for talent. Everyone is looking for the best people. Mm. And if you want to attract the best people, love the lid, you've mm. got to be better than who you were also mm. before. So for us, it's changing mindsets every day, not giving up. Because mm. it's true, we encounter companies that are like cement walls. Yeah. You know, this is who we are, we're never gonna change. It's the way we've always done. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so it's a daily challenge for us and one that I'm, I'm prepared and willing to give everything up yeah. to, to change. So how, what has worked for you in convincing uh, HR executives or CEOs to shift from traditional to, in the success stories that you've encountered, have you noticed a trend? Is there a particular piece of information or delivery that you give that really opens their eyes? Mm -hmm. Or is there a statistic? How do you get people to to wake up to change? There are three things. Three things that we tell them that are changing in the talent landscape. Marketing shift, demographic shift, and technological shift. Okay. So marketing shift is what I said earlier. We're marketing more to candidates than they're marketing to us. Yeah. And you really see this in the way that you know you would invite them for an interview, yeah. and sometimes candidates just don't show up. And here comes the company calling again, oh, would you like to reschedule, right? No decency to even cancel the interview. Mm-hmm. So when we give a job offer, the tendency is yes, we've landed one. But in truth, a candidate has five job offers, and they're now choosing which of the companies that offer them you know, who's the best one, who yeah. do I join? So the HR role is transforming into a sales role. Yeah. We are selling, we are wearing that sales hat and we're convincing 
candidates that yeah. this is the best company to work mm. for. That's the first one. Second is a demographic shift. Everyone wants everything instant. So you know how digital natives were born with a cell phone. Yeah. Even, even the way that they would access information, it's not through a library of dictionaries or a library of like all these books. Mm. What would they do? Google, right? They need information, they just access it very quickly. Mm. And so the mindset that we're telling companies is you've got to be quick with everything. Yeah. Quick to process candidates, quick to give feedback, quick to give rewards, mm. quick to train them for skills. Mm. Don't wait, just be quick about it because that's how the world is right now. And the third is a technological shift. People used to print their resumes. I print it. I don't know with you, yeah, but I, you know, I would print it on very nice paper and walk up to the company and, and apply. But now, even in the comfort of my own home, if I'm a candidate, just sit down, sit on a chair, go on my computer, I can apply to 20 jobs. Yeah. So what does that mean? You've got to be present where your candidates are. Yeah. You've got to be where your target talent is. Yeah. And that's social media, that's job fairs, that's storytelling, that's having good relationships, creating conversations. Yeah. And if you're not in those three shifts and you're not yeah. accepting that as new reality, yeah. then expect to be left out. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Uh, I like that. I think the, it's the human psychology of fear of missing out. <laughs> FOMO. FOMO yeah. is uh, more powerful emotional driver than the fear of gaining. So I think, um, wow, that's a very strong argument. It's fantastic. Uh, there's so many questions I want to uh, ask. Um, I want to. I know that you're a student of leadership and student of productivity. And what for you is something that you do on a daily basis that our listeners would really benefit from? Listeners, viewers would really benefit from. I allot an hour of my day just learning, every okay. day, whether it's through a new book that I bought, or whether it's through social media I follow. Um, magazines on Flipboard, like Inc. Magazine, leadership um, articles, anything that's by John Maxwell, my favorite mm. author. Um, I just read for an hour. Is it a particular time of day? Um, morning. Morning. Yes. So part of my morning routine is learning. Mm. Okay. So whether it's on the way to work or while I'm having a cup of coffee, yeah. I wouldn't go on Facebook to surf. Yeah. I would. It's hard. You have to resist the temptation of social media. Yeah. But if you want to grow, that's the price that you have to pay for it. Yeah. Is are you just pushing things out or are new things coming into your life yeah. because of the learning yeah. that you're exposing yourself to? And and because of the rapid pace of business, rapid pace of the world, you thought you knew something. Mm. But when you start reading again, information is all brand new yeah. once more. And that's just for me, something that I've found valuable for the last 14, 15 years of my career. Really? Wow. So this has been a habit since then? Absolutely. Wow, this is, really, this is very practical because for me, I learned from one of my mentors to switch off, put my phone in airplane mode until my morning ritual is done. So I don't go online until I've completed. Even after my morning ritual, my number one thing. Mm -hmm. So once I do know my number one thing, then I can go online. But it's mm -hmm. so dangerous to open up, go online, check email check social media feed right. first thing in the morning. Right. It does throw you off. So I will interview you one question. Oh, you got a question Because <laughs> it's me. an interview. What's the one thing that stuck with you in this conversation? Um, That's a tough one. From, from your... <laughs> yes, just from this one. Last 20 minutes. Um, I think I really enjoyed how practical your advice was for candidates cool. in, in terms of three things I love you I love the way that your mind is you're delivering answers based on three things here's the three uh, what impresses me because if you give the seven things that we're more likely to forget right and focus on what's the three most important things you need to do in this interview prepare for the interview I love the idea of uh, rehearsing with your friends right uh, because yeah too, too many people are too nervous and too unauthentic mm -hmm. and uh, I think that was my it did make me smile, that question about uh, your biggest challenge and how do you overcome it. And then the flip side of that, of the question, three months, uh, what would you, what's your expectations of me for the next three months? And I think that's, that's one of my favorites because um, that's a question that people can ask straight away. And it's, it's, it's such a, I really am impressed. 
because I'm really disappointed when I hear weak questions. Right. You know, the other weak questions like how much do we get paid? When is overtime? Exactly. The questions that are exactly. not appropriate for the first. Uh, actually, can we talk about that? What are the non-appropriate? Uh, <laughs> actually, let's let's do both. This is kind of fun. What are the questions a candidate should never ask? In a f on both sides, mm -hmm. they should just never. That's totally in a bad impression on both sides. Mm -hmm. What's okay, uh, so let's go candidates first. Yeah, candidates first. You never ask these questions. And please weigh in because I think no, you right. know. I think you know. Well. So I think first thing is candidates shouldn't ask, you know, what's your culture like? You okay. should do your homework. You should yeah. know that before you come in because that should be part of the decision that you're forming yeah. whether you want to work for that company so or not. So can I bounce on that? I love that because sure. I think when uh, you're trying to find out the culture of a company, it's not based on just reading up about mm -hmm. it. And what really impresses me, if I found someone that actually interviewed, how do you say, I call these information interviews, people that already work in the company. Right. So, uh, for example, if I were to apply for TalentView, I've already spoken to employees of TalentView exactly. before I met Ange. Exactly. So that's, I, didn't, I don't ask her the culture, I say, listen, I spoke to your team and this is what, it, and that create, imagine the positive impression that creates to you. Whoa, well, you've actually interviewed, quote yes. unquote, my team to get to know what our Absolutely. culture is like. And Absolutely. our expectations are like. And think about it like buying a new phone. You don't go buy a phone and just buy it based on what the other person who's selling it says. Yeah, you yeah. actually ask people that have used that phone. You yeah. go on reviews, you look for three star, four star, five star ratings. Yeah. You look for complaints, you look for the pros and the cons. Yeah. That's the world we live in now. Mm -hmm. And if you're not in that mindset and you're not, you're not adopting that to find your next dream job, you know, it's, it's a shame because yeah, yeah. it's there. The information is, is present always. It's, it's be proactive. Uh, rule number one. Exactly. To show evidence that you're being proactive. Right. Okay. Hit me on the other side. What's a t uh, question that uh, interviewers should never ask candidates? Okay. I really don't like it when interviewers ask compensation or salary expectations straight away. Yeah. Like, what's your current compensation? Why? Is that a measure of value? You know, is, yeah. that, is that a measure of what I can bring to your organization? Yeah. Does it mean that if it's like 1,000, 2,000 peso difference, it matters? Yeah. So have that conversation. Yeah. And then make sure that, you know, money, money is important. I recognize that. Mm -hmm. Compensation is important. But it's not the most important thing. Yeah. And so you've got to be smarter also as an interviewer. Because yes. candidates are also smarter. Yeah. What about body language in terms of how people dress? Any big no-nos there? Mm, okay, on, on the candidate side, yeah. I mean, it's still you applying for the company. Yeah. Better to be overdressed than underdressed. You know, I've yeah. seen candidates come in shorts and I just want to cry <laughs> right on the spot. Yeah. Like, you're just going to go to a mall and you just happen to find <laughs> a company to apply for. So I'm like, show up on time, be prepared, be practiced. Sleep well the day before. Make sure you smell great. Make sure you've you've thought about how to get to that place so that you're not late. You know, because yeah. you're you are a candidate and you want to be in your dream company, mm -hmm. right? So so make a good impression mm -hmm. and make sure it's a true one. Mm -hmm. I would say this is good. Yeah, this is really uh, very practical. Yes, I hope people are taking notes of this. And then it's I guess it's the same also the other way around, Mike. Yeah. You know, from from a company perspective, be real. Yeah. Don't sell something to the candidate that you know full well when they come in, it's not true. Yeah. Because in the same way that a candidate will often present themselves positively, a recruiter may tend to do that, or an interviewer may tend to do that also. Mm. Yes, we have a great company. Yes, it's so much fun. Yes, it's, it's really fun here. It's great. But when they come in, it, it's not. So I think that people will respect you more if you paint an honest picture of your company. Yeah. It is fun here, we're a great environment, but it's also a lot of hard work. Yeah. And you have to fight for your place in the organization because we're a lean organization. Yeah. And the more you're honest, two ways, yeah. it just works. Before we move on, change topics, because I, I do want to talk about the Philippines and a bit about your own journey uh, as a leader. Um, we talked a lot about hiring, finding the right people. What about the opposite, getting the wrong people Mm -hmm. out of the organization, mm -hmm. um, which is a conversation people are afraid to have, mm -hmm. are running away from difficult conversations. So I'll be direct and ask a uh, direct, bizarre, not bizarre, but what's the best way to fire someone? <laughs> the f best way to get the wrong person out of your organization, mm -hmm. out of your team? 
I think coaching has a lot to do with it. Mm. Number one is if you acquire talent, meaning bring them into the company, you better make sure that there's someone you want to take a chance on. Yeah. Don't just take somebody because you need to fill a role also yeah. as an interviewer. So assuming that you've placed that person in and then you realize that this person, no matter what I've done, is not fit for the role, yeah. the next best thing is look for another role where that person might fit. You Different know? seat. Yes, yeah. maybe your skills. I thought they were for customer service, but they're actually for finance or they're yeah. actually for sales. Yeah. So why don't you try this out and let's see again if this is something that works for you. Yeah. But if you find that, you know, no matter what, it's really not a good fit. I say that coaching is important because you need to make the candidate realize mm. that he is also better off elsewhere mm. where he can use his passions and his skills mm. and his interests in a different company. Mm. Because you have to always create a win-win situation mm. for, for the both of you. And it's just like a relationship, right? So if it's not working out, you don't, you don't give a piece of paper and say, you're gone. You mm. sit down, you talk, you explain, and you, you come out of it winning yeah. together because uh, so many people have, and I really I reflect on myself here don't have the courage to have these conversations right um, and I'm being completely, direct here completely agree because it, I see it within myself not having the courage avoiding um, fear of being because it's a direct if you have the wrong person on your team it's a direct reflection on you you don't want to hire them right and so it's and you try to hide that failure if you will so mm -hmm. what I don't know the piece of advice that I got is, Mike, your level of success in life is directly related to the number of uncomfortable conversations you have That's every day. Nice. And so to count on a daily basis how many uncomfortable conversations you have, because mm -hmm. that will be a d direct measure of how you're, going your, how, how you're growing, mm -hmm. how you're leaving your comfort zone. Have you any, well, what's your experience with uncomfortable conversations <laughs> a lot of uncomfortable situations yeah. i would say but but you're right you know that's how you grow yeah. and that's how the other person grows mm. so again going back to that the, the uncomfortability comes from whether that person doesn't fit the role doesn't mm. have the skills to deliver the requirements of the role or maybe does not fit the manager mm. sometimes it's a fit between the leadership style of the boss and the person that's part of the team. So oftentimes we find success when we move people around Different to, teams, to, to yeah. fit the leadership style of a manager. Mm -hmm. And the third is fit to the culture. Yeah. There's, you're not a bad person, and mm. as a boss, you're also not a bad person. So candidate and boss, both good. I love it, yeah. But it's just that the culture, it, it doesn't fit. Yeah. You know? And again, you have to be courageous enough to accept that yeah. and then move on. Or else both of you are going to be stuck in places that you, you don't want to be in. Yeah, okay. it's, it's a lose-lose situation. Exactly. Um, let's shift gears. Uh, sure. I think we've got about 10 minutes left in the sure. interview. So, but I'd love to talk about Angbansamo, the, the Philippines. Yeah. Uh, I know you're a proud Filipina. Of course. I know you have a lot of faith in your country and Malaking Kakai Handi to Filipinas. What is your dream for this country? My dream is for us to have just one word which is discipline mm. I see that when Filipinos you know uh, you were you were talking about talent you being a regional company mm. so we often find ourselves in, in different countries serving different clients across the world and every time I see a Filipino I know that they have adjusted to the to the ways of that country mm. you know if you have to line up they will line up if you have to, to pay at this area, they will pay at this area. Mm. But when they come to the Philippines, when they are here, they feel like, this is my country, I'm just gonna break the rules and do what I want. Mm. And discipline plays such an important role in anyone's success. Mm. You know, it's what you do on a daily basis that changes your life, mm. whether positive or negative. Mm. And so I'd really like to see a Philippines where everyone is disciplined. Mm everyone will wait for their turn to take a taxi mm. or to ride the MRT mm. or to, to pay in line. Mm. And you know, if, if we do that, it, it all starts with the people. Mm. So in the same way that we're teaching organizations you know, to find the best talent, to find the best people, and it also starts with you, I think the Philippines is like that, where mm. it starts with the people, everything else follows. Mm. Yeah, I just want to do that. Individual decision. Yeah. Personal decision was this Walang disciplina, Walang freedom. Yeah. Yes. Discipline equals freedom. Yes, right. I love this. What is what about the Filipinos out there, the young Filipinos? 
that um, their mindset is that there's no opportunities here in mm -hmm. the Philippines. Mm -hmm. And their mindset, influenced by especially members of their family, mm -hmm. that uh, you can't become successful mm -hmm. Pilipinas, that mm -hmm. uh, to become successful uh, you must work in other countries. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure at some stage in your journey you heard that exact advice. Absolutely. Um, how did you answer that question? How did you, um, because you're doing something amazing here, and it's one of the reasons I wanted to, to speak with you, and, mm -hmm. But you built your own company here, um, Filipino talent. Mm -hmm. um, how do you talk to the person who doesn't see the opportunity? Okay, I just want to say I don't believe that at all. Mm -hmm. And the more that I work here, and the more that we we help organizations and we help people, you see that all the potential is actually in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. And you see that also just in metrics. Look at the G GDPs worldwide. Philippines is always in the top. Five, top yeah. 10 the Philippines is where all the opportunity is happening mm. emerging markets are are the place to be right yeah. now and Philippines is one of the strongest emerging markets mm. you know and then of course we want to sustain that and so opportunity I think it's not in the hands of your parents it's not in the hands of just the country in general but it's in your hands and how you look at yourself the messages you tell yourself the habits that you have every day, that's what shapes your success and your opportunity. Mm. And it just so happens that you're also surrounded by 7,107 islands that yeah. you know you can't go wrong, you can't go wrong in. So yeah. you have to create that opportunity mm. and, and co-create that in a great, in a great country. Mm. But to, to have those voices you know, just dictate upon you, this mm. is what you need to do, there's no future here, mm. You, sh you have to go abroad. There's no guarantee as well, right? There's no guarantee you go abroad that there's opportunity. There's no guarantee that you take this course. Think, think of, the, of nursing, think of engineering. There used to be a time these were the prime courses, yeah. right? Nursing was all the buzz, everyone went into nursing, then all of a sudden Canada and the United States said, we don't need nurses anymore. And so we had all these influx of nurses that didn't know where to go. So I think that everybody, they have their own skills, their own passions, their own interests, mm -hmm. that if they're honest with themselves and then tap into that, they can create their own opportunities. Mm -hmm. yeah. It really goes back to self-awareness. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I just question about Talent View. Uh, what's been, what makes you proud about the, that baby that you set up <laughs> many years ago that's not a baby anymore. It's a, a lot, big. It's a toddler. It's a toddler, say, yeah, yes, on its journey. Mm -hmm. uh, what's well, been the, uh, as the CEO and founder, what has been the thing that's made you most proud? The proudest um, I've been, or at least what makes me most proud, is my team. And I always tell this to them and tell this to everybody that our team is, is just a solid and great team, super talented, super dynamic, and yeah. and people that are just going out of their way to make vision a reality, which is to elevate the standards of human capital mm. in the region, in yeah. the Philippines and in ASEAN. Yeah. And you know, to, to be carrying that vision in your work, it just gives you the purpose and the drive that you need mm. to make it happen. And more and more when HR leaders come up to us and say, you're really making a difference in employer branding, yeah. um, we recently won um, HR top 25 HR technology solution providers in Asia Pacific mm. by the um, CIO magazine and you know that's just such an achievement for us mm. um, to have we are also host to the employer branding summit Asia oh. which you know all the HR leaders just love to come to and learn best practices about employer branding mm. and I have the entire talent view team to to credit for that yeah. it's just amazing how one plus one equals three. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, it's wonderful. It's awesome. So we're at the end of it, five minutes left. Sure. And I was hoping the last five minutes could be uh, boom, 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 rapid sure. fire. <laughs> I got a, uh, this is wonderful. This is really fantastic. Um, I've got a lot of wisdom in terms of the um, employer branding on both sides, almost like employee branding. No, we did a bit of yeah, employee both. branding. Yeah. We did a bit of both. Uh, I just I wish I said that earlier. Employee <laughs> branding, it can nice. Um, so rapid fire. Um, I just want to get um, you to drop some more value bombs before we, we say goodbye. So, first question. Make sure I have written up my <laughs> oh, There's a notebook. Yeah, my, my yellow notebook. 
Um, what advice would you give your 21-year-old self? Just be brave. Just do everything that, that you think is, you're, you're passionate about. Just do everything that you think is worth doing. Mm. And don't be afraid to fail because those are the things that define you and make you successful mm. down the line. No yeah. regrets. Yeah. No regrets. If you, was there a moment that you came in your career that you came so close to quitting, but you didn't? What convinced you not to quit? What convinced me not to quit? So the answer is yes. I think every person has that at a point in their lives. Yeah. But what convinced me not to quit was just also the fear of, of failing. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd rather experience failure you know, at its finest than experience failure knowing that I could never get up back again. Yeah. So, you know, it sounds so, what is it? Like it's a two, double-edged sword, mm -hmm. you know? Failure is there to like put you down, but also to motivate you. Yeah. Yeah. If, when you think of the word successful, who do you think of? John mm -hmm. Maxwell. And why? I just love how his outlook on leadership yeah. sets the tone for organizations yeah. and just the way he speaks yeah. and shares his stories makes made a difference in my life. Mm. In terms of Filipino or Filipina, mm -hmm. who has the the Filipino or Filipina that has inspired you, whether it be present day or from history? Who is your Filipino hero? Mm. That's tough. You know, I, I think I'll just go go to home and say that um, my parents, because um, everything I learned in terms of work ethic in terms of being able to um, look at failure and still move forward. Mm. I learned from my parents and, and I'm grateful to them every day for that. Yeah. What's an app that you have that you can't live without? Right now, honestly, it's Grab. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it just takes me everywhere and anywhere through traffic. And okay. I am grateful. Despite okay. what everyone says, you know, <laughs> everyone still takes Grab and and I'm no exception. If you were to, uh, for tomorrow, if you were to get a message that would be read by millions of Filipinos, so I'm talking billboards, mm -hmm. that a message that would f be fit onto a billboard that would be read by millions of Filipinos, what would that billboard My say? My message? Your message to millions of Filipinos. Embrace failure. Embrace failure. Learn from it and rise from it. Mm. What's your... Oh, maybe this is a directly related. What's your favorite quote? Actually, my favorite quote is from Star Wars, oh. from Yoda. Okay. Do or do not, there is no try. Okay. So this is connected because you mentioned your favorite book is... Um, 21 Irrefutable Laws, Laws of Leadership. Leadership. Yeah. What about favorite um, video or um, uh, documentary that inspired you? I'd have to go with um, David Attenborough's um, BBC. The Earth? Yes. Oh, I love it. Planet Earth, you know, um, that's part of my advocacies. Mm. It is really, I'm a diver, so oh. I would love, connected to the discipline that Filipinos should have, the fact that we are a 7,000 island mm. um, country, is to have that discipline towards environment, yeah. have a respect for it, and um, just, just recognize that we only have it once. Yeah. If we don't take care of it, it's gone. Yeah. Uh, related question, your favorite place in the Philippines? Um, right now, it must be Coron, Palawan. Oh. Yes. Very famous in diving. Yes, absolutely. Uh, what breaks your heart? To see us not have our own self-awareness and discipline. Mm. Also as Filipinos? Yes, in general. Mm. Um, breaks my heart to see that there's so much potential Mm. Yet we're not looking inward and we aren't disciplined enough to pursue our goals and dreams. Mm. And so it takes much longer for us to succeed in the global arena. Mm. Yeah. Your advice, what advice do you think, <laughs> we'll reverse this, if you were to meet your future self, mm -hmm. that's um, the best version of her in 10 years from now, mm -hmm. and you were to meet her uh, just say on a beach, maybe in Kron, <laughs> on the beach, she's looking at you. What advice do you think she would give you the, the present day? And I think it'd be the same, you know? That, well, 
I'll quote from an animated movie. Um, I forget the title, but it's um, oh, the Robinsons. Yeah. Um, just keep moving forward. Just keep moving you know, forward. Keep moving forward. Just three words change changes your life. You know, it's and it's from a cartoon. Yeah. I love that. Keep moving forward. Uh, two more questions. Sure. And the, the last one is just your favorite no, the thing that you have said no to, that has helped you the most in your career bo- or personal life. My favorite no no drugs. Yes. No drugs. Zero drugs. Okay. And then today, what uh, you've mentioned before in terms of the habit of reading, learning every day, mm-hmm. wh- how as an executive, as a mentor, as a coach, a speaker, how do you, um, how do you know, free your mind? How do you uh, protect yourself from overwork, which is uh, something that affects a lot of high, mm-hmm. uh, high performers? How do you make time for and <laughs> yeah. well travel is one yeah. I love to travel just goes back to my diving as well so it gives me that freedom to to not think of anything especially when you're underwater and mm-hmm. you're visiting a new place you're just learning about the country about the new environment that you're in mm-hmm. so travel exercise is so important as well mm-hmm. so also allotting schedules during the week to just be fit try to be fit yeah. you know eat the right things and, and do the right things for your body mm. because um, the more you're not sick the better it is for you and everybody around you right mm. and the third one which has helped me so much linked to self-awareness is daily reflection mm. just every day at the end of the day thinking about how the day went what went right what went wrong and clearing your mind letting go of everything yeah. and knowing that you did your best for the day you can sleep and move to the next day. Okay. So, final question. Sure. This has been, first of all, I want to thank you. Thank you. And to acknowledge you, on, I greatly appreciate the value you bring to the Philippines. And thank you. The greater region of Southeast thank you. Asia. Thank you for uh, advocating for the Philippines. That's an I, awesome thing to do, Mike. I am a better man because I'm here. That's the truth. This country has given me so much. So, I 100% agree. Um, with your, your beliefs about this country and it inspires me when I see uh, a young Filipina <laughs> leading the way and showing other young Filipinas and young men and young, um, young girls that this is possible, this is the new land of opportunity and what you're doing is your living example of that so you inspire Thanks. me, you're my Thank reason you. for being here <laughs> Thanks um, Last question is the, the three, three truths question <laughs> And it's, it's at the end of your career, uh, or maybe the end of your life, we can be a bit more dramatic, your deathbed. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and yeah, everything that you have worked on um, has been taken away. Um, all your books gone, your speeches to leaders, um, all the stuff that you've done, um, there's no record of that. But you have a pen and paper. Mm-hmm. And you quickly write down three of the most important lessons that you've learned about life. Mm-hmm. in that piece of paper and this will be your final message to the world and your, and your family um, and if this is the only three messages that you would give about life mm-hmm. uh, wow, what would those that's tough that's, yeah, that's what I waited for the end right. <laughs> <laughs> what is your, your three final your three life truths okay first would be people matter yeah. do I need to explain it no okay, okay so matters. people matter take care of those you love, mm. who you love and what you love. Mm. Fight for them to, to the very end. Mm. And number three is just be grateful every day. Oh. Yeah. That's powerful. I love that. Ange, thank you so much thank for you, making Mike. this time. I really thank appreciate you. you. Appreciate God bless it. you for Thanks. everything you do for the Philippines. Thank you. Thank Take you, care. guys. Hey, this is Mike again. Thank you so much for listening to the First World Philippines podcast. It would mean so much to me if you left a review, if you share this podcast, somehow help us spread the word. We do this for free. All we ask in return, please consider sharing this with your friends, people who love the Philippines and people who want to become successful in this country. This is their podcast. Thank you so much. I'll see you in the next episode.